Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. Slightly different than as always. <laughs> I'm Justin, and I am joined in the same room <gasps> by Vacation Beth. Also not in the same room <laughs> is Pizza Sam. And I'm Caleb. All right. It's a good thing we're not all in the same room because we're running out of room for us to be in the same room. Yeah, we get real crowded. <laughs> Once we hit 24 Caleb's, it's going to be a problem because where do we go from there? Yeah. There's you, no yeah. more Caleb's. Good point. Good point. Did we establish how you are increasing the number of Caleb's? I don't remember if that was I believe revealed. it's been linear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're probably safe just in terms of elantris episode yes. count but yeah here we are in uh our fifth episode of elantris our fifth episode of uh part one which takes us almost halfway through the book uh-huh. i think yeah yeah it's weird feeling like having the knowledge that there are three parts of this i know part three is pretty short but yeah, it's it, it feels a little weird to have that knowledge of the page count and being like, we're approaching halfway already and we're not even done with part one yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it is definitely kind of interestingly lopsided. <laughs> and it's strange just in terms of knowing we'll wrap this up and then just move on to another planet. <laughs> like, I'm still in Mistborn trilogy mode. Well, yeah, I, I've made con- comments on it before, but... Yeah, knowing that there's not a sequel to this book currently, a direct sequel, makes me so curious as to, like, there's such a big world here. There's a lot of countries Mm -hmm. and a lot of things happening in a lot of those different countries. And the idea that we will have some form of conclusion by the end of this book with regards to all or most of those storylines, like, I don't, I don't, I I still don't really know where this is going. (laughs) I don't believe it for a second. We're going to have hanging chads all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Although I will say for our our three character rotation, we did have like distinct plot progress in all three lines this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And a fight scene. Yeah, we we had a fight and scene, combat. though it was yeah. uh, perhaps not quite the stakes that uh, some other Sanderson fights have had. <laughs> but yes, there was combat. Woo! This was a good section. Yeah, no, I I I think this was uh, this was a fun one to read. Let's get to it. Let us get to it, indeed. We started uh, back with Rayodin. We are again synchronized to the the chapter cycle uh we have a new chapter symbol then uh we have a kind of like sideways flower bloom i'm gonna call that i like this guy (laughs) he he looks like a little bug almost because you see the two eyes and then like really scrunch like yeah it's a sideways face he's got like a little musty actually kind of a lorax when you hold it sideways a little bit (laughs) Aeon Lorax. <laughs> Maybe it's just Aeon Lore. This Aeon speaks for the trees. I don't know how to use that magic yet, but I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. 
There's no trees in the land, Tris. You can't talk to them. Mm, well, that's why the magic isn't working. That's why it doesn't work. There are, we go. Are there trees in the land, Tris? That's why the farm is so important. <gasps> there you go. We've cracked it. End of episode. That was our theory section. <laughs> I already did the joke where I fade in the in the outro music halfway through. <laughs> it's new outro music. It basically counts as a new joke. Also, if you were uh, the the kind of listener who downloads the episode right away, uh, apologies for leaving out the intro and outro music in last week's episode. That is fixed, but uh, yeah, whoops. That's fair. It's not very good music. <laughs> you shut your mouth. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we start again with uh, with Raiden, as that is the the beginning of the the cycle of characters, uh, with some musings about uh, Sions, and then some musings about Sions in the present. Uh, and I feel like this is a thing that I've seen in other fantasy books, where you you have some sort of like magical servant. And there's there's a question about how much freedom does this this magical thing have, and it always felt kind of weird, and it feels kind of weird here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not quite as uncomfy as Sazed's first couple of scenes because this it's a magical orb that's from what we can tell not really human, but yeah, second that that's too I guess at the time too cosmere books in a row where a whole like class of servants is like yeah we're actually kind of happy like this and luckily the terrorist people that gets uh addressed and subverted later on it's very clear that that's just society keeping them down um but yeah it's here's another like weird situation of like yeah Sions, we're good at being servants and that's we're fine with that that's happy we're cool we're chill and you might have seen the bit where you you ask your friend to go away and demand that they leave uh, from movies such as E.T. Get out of here! <laughs> Accept your freedom, Ian! Yeah, this has, has big house elves from Harry Potter vibe, which mm. is not Ooh, the best vibe yes. to emulate. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that, yeah. That whole thing aside, though, I do think it is sad and touching when we, we snap back to the present here. Yeah. And and Rayodin is just kind of of musing of well you're you're free now I guess so weird setup but I thought that was a, a nice touch yeah I I agree with that and a very smooth dissolve from the the flashback to the current mm -hmm. scene so I, I like the way that was written I, I don't like seeing Ian be this broken thing it's not good yeah yeah it's sad. Especially noting that it stays in Raiden's general vicinity. Like, it doesn't really know what's happening, but it still wants to be near him. Yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up for Ian coming back, but I really want it to. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have at least some semblance of a theory about what's wrong. It doesn't seem like it'll lead to a solution yet but Rayodin has noticed that the the aeon uh, that sits in uh, each Sion, this one he can see it's it's not like correctly drawn there's kind of gaps in the lines uh, and so it definitely does seem to indicate that something isn't working there 
but I mean, we've seen that that drawing aeons doesn't seem to do anything. So I don't know if that leads anywhere yet, but it does seem to indicate, hey, there is actually a distinct thing that is wrong. We can put a push pin in it, even if we don't know what string to attach to it yet. Exactly. So after we have that uh, that brief scene with Ian, uh, we have another scene that I really like, where uh, Galadon and Raoden get to talk a bit about the past, which is something that in Elantris seems like kind of a subject that you normally avoid, uh, but these two get uh, a bit of a bit of time to kind of reminisce. Uh, and I really like especially uh, Galadon's musing about his house that uh, that he built. He felled every tree, worked every board, pounded every nail. He said, I like Galadon. I don't like how he keeps saying Sul and Colo. It makes me sad and angry. <laughs> <laughs> but, it makes you sad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it is a very easy, quick way to establish that somebody is like not doesn't talk like a normal person <laughs> but it's not very artful i don't know it's just and it's like every sentence of this whole section is either sul or colo somewhere in the sentence of galadon yeah there's there's a lot of that there's a lot we spice it up later when galadon says don't get Delusidu on me. Delusidu. Delusidu. <laughs> but then he goes, don't get Delusidu on me, Sule. Sule. <laughs> Make it stop. Yeah. Vocabulary. Vocabulary that isn't explained. <laughs> it's very beautiful, though, that Rayodin is the kind of person who uh, would bring useless bullshit to the desert island with him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 love letters wait does he say anything at all um hang on what, what one thing would you bring here to elantris if you could um a cure for uh the shayad well it's like whatever people ask like what's the one thing you would bring to a desert island like a way off is a cheaty answer yeah presumably he's not going to pick something that does not by his knowledge exist all right well i'm just saying he wasn't very specific <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that the uh, the director of of Castaway said that the package that he doesn't open and delivers at the very end of Castaway contained like a satellite phone, some water purifying <laughs> tablets, a signal flare. I, mm, I think that was a joke because I think he's it gone, was yeah canonically yeah. it's like four jars of guacamole or something. I actually do specifically remember that. Yeah, I remember. It was like a food stuff. Yeah. yeah. Description. And then he delivered it. He did deliver it. Good job, Tom Hanks. <laughs> he did it. Tom Hanks himself and <laughs> not the character. Not Mr. Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> John Castaway. <laughs> Tom Hanks is definitely one of those people where it if you presume that every character that an actor plays is actually the same in some sort of weird cinematic universe, Tom Hanks definitely has some rough breaks. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of my favorite Onion headlines, it was right after like Bridge of Spies and Sully came out really close together and it was just Tom Hanks vows not to stop until he has played every American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does... Uh... 
he does do the 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 based on a true story doesn't he mm. but uh yeah we have uh, we have reared in here who is is missing uh the letters that uh, that he and serene had been writing and so uh, this is mostly story that we've seen where uh, Rayodin is is getting to tell this to Galadon, but we do have uh, a few more details seeing it from Rayodin's point of view. But this is really the first time that we've actually seen Rayodin take the time to think about his uh, his his I guess wife. I guess they well, are legally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although with him not actually being dead, who knows how that works? But uh, yeah. yeah, we uh, we get to see that. Yeah, this was this was very much a, a mutual uh, uh, a mutual love between the two of them, despite the fact that they never got the chance to meet in person. Uh, and it's it's definitely still uh, on his mind. And Galadon gets a, a bit of a crack about. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if you can can say that you're not a character from a romance here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this weird dynamic of this like off-screen relationship that I kind of love, even though it's kind of weird. Of both of them seem really into each other just from the letters and one phone call, mm-hmm. but then also both of them are very ready to admit of like, yeah, we never actually met, so it's not like that right. deep of a thing, and it's I don't know. It's very funny to me that Serene's like, man, I really wish I could have gotten to be with Rayodin. He seems awesome. Anyways, I want to be done mourning him as soon as possible. I am sick of this. <laughs> yep. And then uh, leading out of there, we get a, uh, a a big record scratch. Yeah. As, uh, <laughs> yeah, as uh, Rayodin just offhandedly is you know it was just a political thing because of the uh, the invasion of Duladel. The, the what? What? Settled <laughs> <laughs> meme with the with the lady. Yeah, I as soon as I said that, I was like, all right, that's new Instagram one. Uh huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is one thing. You know, we we've gotten more and more pieces of uh, Galadon backstory. Uh, but as Raiden points out here, he does have uh, uh, a bit of a tendency for understatement. And so uh, his few months that he's spent in Elantris may be a little bit longer than that, uh, given that the the Duladan Republic uh, collapsed about six months ago. And Galadon apparently had no idea. So, uh, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's no good. Sorry, man. Mm-hmm. I actually, I really appreciate that Raiden says like, oh, I really thought you knew. And then they talk a little bit more. And then it's kind of the end of the conversation. And Galad- or Raiden just says again, I thought you knew. And there's like kind of a helpless aspect of repeating that again of like, there's not really anything to say here. I'm just sorry that you didn't know. I really right. assumed you did. It felt like a very human reaction to repeat the same line again. Yeah. Oh God, I have a very relevant anecdote. Oh, do we, tell. We, for this we shit. don't usually have relevant anecdotes. No, no, it's crazy. Uh, so the the college that I went to, uh, our freshman orientation, there was an optional thing you could do where you 
basically go hiking and or canoeing for three weeks, 18 days. Um, this happens like the first few weeks of September because they start a little bit late at that college. Um, and it's been happening for about 25 years. So I'm sure that oh. you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, yeah, anyway, but, uh, about 25 years takes us back to the early 2000s in September. Yeah, <laughs> early, early wow. 2000s in September. So uh, there was a whole cadre of people who were out um, oh, <clears throat> in the middle. Yeah, in the yeah. middle of the woods. Yeah. Uh, no, no phones. No, I mean there wasn't really much for internet back in those days or whatever, but no TVs. Um, and they came back to camp and people were like upset and they were like why why are you upset and they're like i guess you wouldn't Where have known start? two two weeks ago yeah yeah so it's it can be pretty jarring you know to uh, obviously but to, to uh, miss out on the world yes on, on yeah. the world fundamentally changing while you're out of its reach i guess you started telling this story and i started doing math on when you and i started college i was wondering if this was the thing that happened to you and i was trying to figure out what would be the most relevant thing around that time and then you said it's been going been happening for about 25 years and it was oh no <laughs> redo the math don't like the yep. answer yeah there were professors in my school who uh you know they like to hire on people who used to go to that school which is a good policy to have um and there are professors who multiple who were part of that group <laughs> um yeah still talk about it in class and everything so anyway big sad i have a i have a anecdote related to that anecdote which is just fun facts about the movie glitter starring mariah carey <laughs> Please explain to me in what way the movie Glitter starring Mariah Carey relates to 9-11. Oh, that's that's exactly where the anecdote is going, because it released on September 21st, 2001. Um, its soundtrack uh, was released 10 days earlier. Um, it's regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. And Mariah Carey said, well, it just didn't make any money because it was right after 9-11 and no one wanted to go to the movies. And everyone went okay maybe that was part of it but also you made a terrible movie and that's also a reason it didn't make any money um so yeah if you go to the official wikipedia page there is a picture of the twin the caption is the twin towers burn behind an advertisement for the film and yeah that's just what's pictured it's just a glitter poster with 9-11 happening behind it do you know what uh what other um album was released on 9-11 uh, was the uh, live album for uh, Dream Theater's Live Scenes from New York mm. uh, with its original artwork featuring the band's original Burning Heart logo superimposed over a New York skyline. <laughs> that cover got pulled very quickly. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. Pulling us a, a little bit away from that. If you guys remember the movie Master of Disguise. Yeah, why not? Uh, oh, pull us further. You, you know that scene where, where he's 
you know, in the turtle disguise. He's talking. Oh my about god, I know this one. Turtle club. Yeah, uh, they filmed that on 9/11, and they had a moment of silence while he was in his turtle costume. No. <laughs> yep. While he was in the turtle costume. <laughs> uh huh. Well, thank God that movie was so good, so it was definitely worth it. Oh yeah. Okay, it was better than glitter. Ah, <laughs> uh. oh, shit, the book. <laughs> shit. E- even more than usual, I'm going to hard wrench us back to this. Uh, there was like a half here. second where I was like, all right, let's try to find an organic segue. And I decided, nope. no, this is not <laughs> the time for an organic segue. We should just end, end conversation yeah. and return. <laughs> yep. Uh, as we are heading to a, a scene break here, uh, there's a, a quick world note that we will we'll see if we come back to that. Where, uh, given that the um, the religious motivations of the feudal empire, uh, we also note that uh, Jesker, the the faith of the the Duladel, uh, uh Republic. Uh, has also been basically driven out. Uh, the 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 mysteries still exist, and I think we've heard the phrase "just scary mysteries," um, but Galadon yes. says that it's a completely different thing, and that uh, people who who believe in Jesker do not accept those as a a real thing. So we will see if that comes up again. Uh, yes, and then Brayton has also talked about the the chaotic aspect of the Jaskari mm. mysteries. So it seems mm-hmm. like there's quite a few people in this world who uh, do not look kindly upon that. Although it's Raithen, so he thinks that about every religion. Right. <laughs> every <laughs> every, religion. Ev- every faith uh, that is not Shudareth. No matter how granular the difference. Uh, but we go from there and we get to see... We joked last episode about here you are in Elantris. We're going to give you uh, a task. You're going to continue cleaning things. <laughs> but the results are apparently spectacular as we do get another uh, another deep description of this, this church that they've been uh, cleaning up and, and trying to make into a living space has this incredible amount of, of carving and detailed stonework that they actually now can see. Great job, Kahar. Beautiful. <laughs> and and yeah. in the second time in the chapter, we have Kahar going, yeah, I love cleaning. It's great just, just cleaning and being a, just, just doing this low-level job. I'm perfectly content just doing this forever. <laughs> yeah, it's oh. still a little strange. I do kind of get it, though. Like, I don't know if you've ever done, like, volunteer work for you know i don't know college credit or whatever high school anything um but uh you do like really menial stuff (laughs) take this uh take this sign and put it over there shove it in the ground and it's like anybody could do it but you feel like you're doing it for a greater purpose and it feels pretty good so i get the feeling no that's fair and uh, and Rayodin, the the book briefly turns into the alchemist or the little prince. Uh, pain lost its power when other things became more important. Kahar didn't need a potion or an aeon to save him. He just needed something to do. It's beautiful. 
I liked one of those books. <laughs> Was it not The Alchemist? Correct. <laughs> I'm the flip opposite. I love The Alchemist, and I hate it, Little Prince. Really? We can't we can't agree on everything at the, in this podcast, but yeah, I don't know. It's just the imagery. I really like the imagery of the alchemist. So, Beth, have you read either of these books? I've read The Little Prince. Damn it. Okay, I was thinking once we get done with Cosmere, we could do we could flip it, and now it's <laughs> Justin and Sam who have read the books, and me and Beth are going in for the first time. Uh, I haven't read either of these. Well, technically, hang on. I think I have read Little Prince, but I barely remember it. Yeah, Little Prince is usually say, like I a... read it in like seventh or eighth grade, yeah. so I just remember the drawing of the hat slash snake. Yep. I don't remember any of the plot. <laughs> I know there wasn't like a the lot, plot. A lot of plot. No, it wasn't like strictly a coherent plot. It was more about the vibes, but <laughs> just vibes. I don't remember many of the vibes either. <laughs> oh well. But the vibes in general were much like this. It was like little allegorical lessons hidden in simple things. Purpose defeats pain. Rock beats paper. Or wait, no, the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. On, wait. <laughs> Go back. Someone get the diagram. <laughs> but yeah, in the uh, in in what we have cleaned up here. Uh, we also have a mirror-polished surface, uh, which means Rayodin gets to see himself for the first time since this book has begun. Uh, and it's not a pretty sight. Yeah, kind of reminded me of um, Fallout Ghouls, the way it was described. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I see that. Yeah, as, as Rayodin points out, they're not, you know, they're not falling apart. They're still intact people. Uh, but the the skin does seem like it's kind of decaying, and uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah, Fallout Ghouls is actually a really good comparison because they all look horrific, but only some of them are insane, and then others, even though they look terrible, are still just like, hey, I'm chilling. Yeah, they're still just kind along. of people. <laughs> yeah, you know, running a bar or whatever it is, playing a city builder. Exactly. <laughs> So we also uh, we check in a bit on yeah on the city builder the the population meter has been ticking up <laughs> so good for them hopefully none of them have names yeah well <laughs> we are I I from reading this section and then I was also um, I did a, a a look ahead through some of the summaries uh, just to to see what we were gonna hit when. We definitely do hit a point where the new characters just kind of stop. So there, there is hope yet. <laughs> a light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to hit 24 characters eventually, and then there can't be any more. Oh, God. There's going to be as many as there are stars in the sky, by which I mean 24. 24, yes. <laughs> Speaking of populations taking up, Maybe I'm misinterpreting exactly where this number came from, but there's a point where it's suggested that Karata's gang was 15 people. That that seems like an insanely low amount of people to be one of the major gangs of the city, right? Yeah, that does seem... Uh, I mean, like, I guess if uh, if you're one of the few organized groups that does have a, a bigger impact, but yeah, I would I agree, that seems... Pretty small. 
That's that's like a, a Batman Arkham Asylum level of, I could take these guys out if I'm really careful. <laughs> I guess she has the advantage of... Because it's noted that her, her folks have weapons that are in decent shape. And she seems to be the only sane one who is <laughs> leading one of the gangs. We haven't seen Shayor yet. Maybe he's just perfectly normal. Shayor is actually really nice. His 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 gang gets out of control, and he's trying to like get them to to chill, to chill out. But he's actually a really decent, cool guy. Yeah, I did see. Um, we see it in the next scene. The uh, the the count. Uh, but wrapping up here, the uh, the last bit of of city building for this this chunk. Uh, Galadon is going to get to put some of that farming experience to use uh, as we are we're, it's about time to start planting and, and growing the, the corn that, that Raiden has gathered uh, Galadon is as usual somewhat pessimistic about this process uh, he says that it it seems pretty likely that the Elantrians are just going to dig up and eat the first sprouts that they see and uh, Raiden makes a, a comment on how uh, you know, next year when we when we've harvested this batch, we'll have plenty of corn, and we can we can plant it in the palace gardens. Uh, and and Galden says, next year, you you can't talk about next year in Elantris. You can barely talk about next month. So, uh, it, progress is being made there, but growing anything is going to take quite a bit of time. And then in rushes Saolin to say that someone's rushing in. <laughs> A man is coming, and then the man comes, and he says, Karata wants to talk. Well, why not just have the man? He says, you have to go out to talk to Karata, who is talking to someone who is also going out. Yeah, this is also the second time that Saolin, yep. who is supposed to be the guard, is like, I'm going to I leave my someone. post. Let me leave. So I can go tell people about th things. <laughs> and, and last time it was also noted that by the time Selin had delivered his message, the person he was talking about was basically there. Was there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's so cute. Uh, he constructed himself a makeshift watchtower. It's so adorable. Is it made out of cardboard? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Does, does he have like a like a a rolled up magazine spyglass? <laughs> That's why it took him so long. That like that's why the timeline was so compressed. Of like, my lord, Karata is coming. She's here already. Salen, were you looking through your spyglass again? You only see people when they're like ten feet away with that thing. It makes me see faster, sir. <laughs> uh. So yeah, the the thing that's happening that needed to be announced. This is another uh, Elantris to Mistborn parallel of uh, this group has seen one success uh, and is now going to go mount an attack that they are probably not prepared for because uh, Dasha, I'm going to go with, Dashe, uh, is uh, Karata's second in command and probably the the head of the the actual guards uh and he is taking 10 people which is two-thirds of karata's followers so so mm -hmm. there you go caleb uh and they are uh they heard that andon wants to attack and so they are going to preemptively uh attack andon and his palace 
which is going to go very well in the city of Elantris. <laughs> yeah, at least this time they have the thing of, we got to attack before they do. We've heard they're about to attack. Yidin just fucked up completely. Like, that was that was completely <laughs> yeah. on him. Yeah, that was... There was no point to Yidin's attack. It was just like, I got this army now. Look how cool I am. <laughs> Charge. Let me run into this buzzsaw. <laughs> Pretty much. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, no time to explain or plan here. But at least this time, Raoden acknowledges that that is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because... Uh, Karada says there's nothing we can do about it. He's he's made up his mind. He's going to go make this attack and we'll see what happens. But Raoden does not want to leave it there and is uh, is running after after them. Uh, and Galadon asks, what are you planning to do? And Raoden says, I have no idea. I'm still working on that part. <laughs> and then he goes... All right, where is Dasha headed? Great, take me there, but take a, another hopefully quicker route. And they succeed, because apparently Dasha just happened to take the long way. Maybe it's that, uh, maybe Dasha isn't running, because running seems like a bad idea in Elantris, but Raiden just runs everywhere. <laughs> and forces Galadon to run as well. Yeah. And Karada, apparently. And this one, Karada as well, yeah. But yeah, they uh, they make their way to a a building that kind of collapsed against the palace, uh, which Karada assumed was how uh, Dashe was going to try to to get in, and it's a good thing they make it there first, uh, because Galadon, with his knowledge of construction, uh, can see that uh, this is a trap. This building has been. Uh, kind of carefully dismantled and prepared uh, to easily collapse. And so it looks like Andin knew about this way in and uh, was was prepared for this. And then everything kind of happens all at once uh, because Dasha arrives. Raoden tries to uh, tries to, to let him know that it's a trap. And Andin has uh, has sprung the trap and is closing in from the other side uh Andin there himself with uh, with some of his forces so uh very tense situation and then what we have next uh Andin is apparently quite willing to to do this himself because uh he he's going to to run in there with an axe and and just bring this whole thing down and Raoden uh calls out to calls out to him by his former name uh i'm gonna go with tan for this one yeah sorry i went tan yeah tan <laughs> that may be the other possibility but i'm going with tan <laughs> yeah correct ta an <laughs> hmm so yeah this is it's it's a an interesting scene overall I don't know if it quite lands for me. I feel like there's, I feel like this happens too many times where Raoden is able to talk people into like remembering their pre-Elantrian lives or remembering a thing for them to live for. Like it's a cool scene by itself. I I feel like it happens a little too much, uh, but but this one 
uh, th- here we have uh, Tan, who Raiden said was a sculptor before he uh, became uh, an Elantrian. And the the thing that the the reason for him to to exist that Raiden is going to give him is the city of Elantris itself, which is this wonderful work of art that uh, Tan, as as he points out, is the only person in the world really who can study and appreciate this. Yeah, I kind of, I agree. I think it happens a little too often. And in this particular scene, I think it happens a little too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, Rayodin just found out this chapter that there's cool sculptures hiding underneath all the grime. And it's very convenient timing that he found that out. And then that's the secret to getting Ton on his side. And then the other thing is that, like, like we all love Set. Set's great. <laughs> this time around... And again, the chapter ends very quickly, but so far, everyone's very ready to be like, all right, Tom's on our side. The guy who was just doing a ton of executions at random because he was pretending to be insane. Like, we, that, that's, that's still cause for concern. I don't know if we should be, like, <laughs> forgiving that right away. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree on that. I, yeah, I think that's one of the other reasons why this didn't quite land for me was... It's a it's a very abrupt shift. Yeah, especially in comparison to our other like, let's let's go on the loyalty mission for this gang leader scene. <laughs> like Karatas was a whole long journey where they had to like get out and do a bunch of stuff, right. and it was a really wonderful scene, top to bottom. So then to just be like, but look at these sculptures, Tom. Check this shit out, and for him to immediately collapse in a crying heap feels a bit much. It's like how, like, Legion in Mass Effect 2 shows up and then immediately is like, hey, uh, we gotta do loyalty mission, like, right now, because we are running low on time. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that is... Uh, we we have a, a scene after this, because uh, even though uh, Karata was on, uh, was, was on Raiden's side after the uh the the loyalty mission uh not all of karata's people were and uh dasha is still uh still wants to kill some folks <laughs> uh so raiden has to uh, once again convince them uh sam uh you say <laughs> raiden stops them by saying that they're free to live in grime and shit and not eat excellent yes, excellent <laughs> wonderful <laughs> That is the selling point of all time right there. You're free in Melandris. Yeah. What's so funny is, I, like, I... we're special because we don't have to eat. Don't look at the farms that are pivotal to my entire society I'm building here. The eating's not important, guys. <laughs> don't have to, true. Still desperately want to, also true. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I think we... Uh... We agree that this, the ending of this chapter has some points that don't quite land for us. Uh, but the end result is that uh, the, uh, the the number of gangs in Elantrists may have just ticked down by one again. Uh, because Andin or Tan and his men are now also joining with Raiden. Joining the zombie union. 
All right. There's also a moment where Tan goes, there's more royalty in his argument than there ever was in my pretend court. I'm really hopeful that next chapter, Tan is just like, hey, so you're the prince, also, right? Also, I know who like, you it's... are. <laughs> <laughs> so the first words yeah. of the next Raiden chapter. <laughs> so you're, you're Raiden, right? What? What? Or I hope no. we get like 20 more chapters in. And then Tan just very casually is like, Raiden, come check this out. And everyone's like, wait, what? And he's like, you oh, knew? I, thought we all, I thought we all knew. It's super obvious. Or the alternative of everybody knows, and then 20 chapters later, Tan goes, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, but that will be the uh, the conclusion with Raiden for this this segment and this episode. A lot less crossover as well between the, the the lines this time around. So that's basically it until we get back in our next episode. Uh, moving to chapter 17 and Serene's chapter, uh, we are preparing for a fight. It is a an organized fencing practice, but we do get some uh, some sword play here. Woo! So excited. Uh, and of, of course, uh, because this is Elantris, we have a new chapter, which means more vocab. More vocab, <laughs> and it, yay! And it's more vocab of the just renamed regular objects variety. <laughs> it's a little pointless. As I wrote in my notes. I think it does have a point. <laughs> hey, no, it's got a cork at the end. Up. That's true, yeah. it's true. But the foil is not called a foil. It's called a sire or a Khmer or a jadaver. Brand. I, I just wrote in my notes. Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> just, I, I just had Brandon. almost the exact same thought in my notes as well. <laughs> you could just call, just call it a foil. Like or in, just in a one... sire. <laughs> right. Like, I guess in one respect, it is, quote, realistic that different places uh, on this planet would have different names, but we don't need to know them. <laughs> and also, no, presumably, this whole book isn't in English and it's being translated for us. So, yes, just call it a foil. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you don't, like, deep world building is cool. But even, like, I've I've been reading Lord of the Rings recently and Tolkien just has, like, our Earth calendar. So you'll get, like... In Rivendell, which is also called Imladris, with Gandalf, who has 80 names. And he's like, it's October 24th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're eating carrots. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, vocabulary mocking aside, uh, it, is, it is time for fencing practice. Uh, we have Serene, who is, is prepared for this. Uh, we have the other women of the court who are perhaps not so prepared for this. Uh, and we have uh, Lukel and Kays here as the peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Very much so. And uh, Serene does seem to have a, a good bit of skill at fencing. Uh, what she definitely doesn't have as much is practice teaching fencing. Uh, because the first thing that she does is just chucks a sword to someone and says, go. <laughs> just mops the fucking floor with her. 
I, I am glad that like a focus of the chapter is that her teaching style is not the best because I like right I back when I was in like sixth grade or something it was a while ago I remember almost nothing but I did take like 10 weekly lessons of fencing and I probably would have cried and quit if that had been the first thing that happened yeah yeah oh my God. is your instructor I've... just just beats you <laughs> i've had pe classes that were like that and i literally was just like all right you know what you're getting one percent effort from for the rest of this unit so you just blew it you're gonna make a <laughs> fool out of me i'm gonna make a fool out of you by walking around the gym <laughs> Uno reverse card. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we we have the, the beginnings of a fencing lesson. Uh, and eventually it's time for them to just practice a bit. Uh, Serene goes over to chat. Uh, this is, this is at least so far, peak obnoxious child from Kay's, <laughs> who heard that there was going to be fencing, went and read a book, and is now trying to show off. <laughs> and I both hate this and also have been this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. It's a dark mirror. <laughs> I said in my notes, that's pretty cute, but she's still Lily. Sorry. Still Lily and Todney. <laughs> you remain a puppet. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, what was it? Uh, uh, shit, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. Ha! Lost uh, in a bit. It happens to all of us. <laughs> uh, uh, Yeoman. I read a book. Yes. Is that, is that the end of the... <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeoman definitely... But Yeoman had, had read several books and perhaps synthesized some, some research where Kay's just apparently has read a book and now wants to say vocab words. <laughs> I just... I want to rag on Serene one more time here, uh, because she by all means she just like hey everybody here let me mop the floor with this person now swish your swords around while I chill out yeah I'm done for now there wasn't a lot of instruction given just like eh, move around in your dresses yeah and it's also like she mentions at the end of this section of like oh they're all gonna be sore tomorrow but for this scene she is not at all like thinking about the fact that another thing I remember from my limited experience, fencing is damn tiring. You get real sweaty <laughs> and real tired real fast. Mm -hmm. And the idea that she's just like, all right, go off and do drills or whatever. And isn't even like paying attention to what their stamina is looking like right now. It's she's, she's not very good at this guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shortly after we are joined by uh, both Eondel and Shudin. Uh, who cause very different reactions uh, as Eondel being a uh, a former soldier uh, is apparently kind of weird to be around uh, and Shudin is hot. <laughs> so, uh, but Eondel scores some, some points with Serene and also some points with me here mm -hmm. uh, as he has done this before. Uh, he probably hasn't fenced specifically because as... Uh, as Serene notes, it's not really a thing in Aralon. Uh, but he has he has both he has experience with a sword and he also has experience training people with a sword. And so he is is very quick to 
figure out at least the, the things that he can help assist with and starts working on on posture and and grip and all that so uh probably things progressing quite a bit better after Eondel makes his uh, his contributions there yeah and i kind of expected him to be a dick about it but he's not really he's just like hey i, I hope it's okay i stepped in a little bit and yeah it was it was a pretty chill moment for me on there yeah very mm-hmm. very cool guy yeah, Sam, is it cooler than him demanding food, which was his <laughs> yeah. contribution? Yeah, he's, he's working his way up from that. <laughs> yeah, this is, Eondel won a lot of points for me in this little section here, in this uh, two or three pages. But uh, yeah, and, and we go right from that into a, uh, a, a right proper fight, our first one of the book. As Serene continues her streak of throwing a sword at someone and then attacking them. <laughs> Why is everyone throwing the swords? <laughs> Stop. But uh, yeah, I actually I I spoke too soon, uh, and and Serene also learns that she may have uh, made a slight mistake. Uh, of uh, Eondel mentioned that he has has visited Duladel and fencing interests him, uh, but. I don't know how much of this is specifically his fencing training and how much of it is just his experience as a soldier. Uh, he is quite good uh, and is in fact better than Serene as she rapidly determines. So uh, they they are, uh, for a while, they're, they're going at a, a fairly even bout, but it starts to, to slip away from Serene and she realizes that she is... Uh, uh, she's losing this fight, and she's also the center of attention. Uh, at which point, uh, Eondel uh, seems to to let up the pace a bit. Serene takes advantage of, of the moment uh, and wins the bout, and then realizes that uh, Eondel definitely let her win, as this was kind of her thing, and he's being nice enough to not step on that. And uh, she won, but it it feels kind of weird and awkward at that point. Yeah, yeah, Yandel did a great job here of kind of bridging that gap between like here's how cool this looks like when you're actually fighting somebody, and um, I can't beat you, otherwise it'll completely derail everything you're doing. Um, I I like to envision that when he like uh let up and basically left a glaring opening for uh, Serene to attack. Um, I like to imagine that it was subtle enough that somebody who doesn't know shit about fencing would not be able to recognize it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm imagining. It was like, it's just, you know, for, a, for an experienced fencer, it's like, okay, obviously he's, <laughs> he left a hole, but um, you know, if it were, if I were just in the crowd and I didn't know anything about it, That'd be pretty it's cool. not like he yeah it's not like he just like put his sword aside for a second or anything it was <laughs> it was just a a little bit mispositioned and serene is good enough that that's all it took yeah would it be a, annoying or funny if at the end of this chapter uh kaisei or, or case went hey i noticed andel let you win and she's like the only one who I, oh, also noticed that that happened <laughs> I think I would be annoyed, but Case just annoys me a lot. 
the other thing that this uh the end of this fight does uh is it gives serene something to think about that i think is very much needed uh it it lets her or i guess it makes her reinterpret her perspective on this fight and a lot of the other things she's been doing here uh in that as she has recently arrived in this city and has dove into these these games as she referred to them th these are people's lives and their country and their religion and uh as caleb puts it serene remembers the stakes <laughs> finally hooray yeah this is great to see her finally like get hey shit's happening and it's very serious <laughs> yeah i don't know and then that's immediately followed and we'll get into sam's notes in a bit <laughs> by one of the most bizarre conversations <laughs> i've ever read in a book in which Yandel gets a drink in the middle of like a workout and goes, it's water? <laughs> <laughs> like from the toilet? And then Sarit says, water's good for you. And he goes, I don't know about that. <laughs> nah. And Lukel jumps in. <laughs> like, Lukel. Fucking, it's water. And then Serene goes, yeah, I, I took some Breaking Bad lessons and had to boil it and then pour it between two buckets to restore its flavor. It's water! <laughs> oh my god. This is, this is one of Brandon's tropes. Like a future world, they have like... They talk a lot about the wine and the wine of varying flavors and intensities. And it seems like they drink the wine on that planet more than water. So this is this is a, a Cosmere through line I did not expect. <laughs> Just nobody ever drinks water. They drink wine a hell of a lot in Mistborn, too. <laughs> they do, yeah. And I I feel like this is a thing that I... I learned at one point as like a neat history fact. And then recently I saw that it wasn't as true. And it was just a neat history factoid that people told around. <laughs> and I, I I know it's true that historically alcohol was, was used as a very common drink. And it was often a lot weaker than what we think. Uh, but like, again, this feels like just world building for the sake of world building at this point. <laughs> Also, during this conversation, both Beth and I have stopped to have a drink of water. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do that as well. I yelled so much that I need to rehydrate. <laughs> Hydration break, everyone. Everyone at home, drink your water, play along. In wine, there is wisdom. In beer, there is freedom. In water, there is bacteria. Wait, you guys are <laughs> drinking water? I've been drinking wine the whole time. <laughs> I've been drinking Brondo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> is the is the next bit of this chapter any less weird for you, Caleb? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what? So, yeah, then there's a JoJo scene. <laughs> <laughs> where you Shuden almost just, got Beth. Shuden Beth just was decides... drinking more water. <laughs> I nearly did a spit take. <laughs> Shuden just decides to start dancing. <laughs> As as I put it when we were uh, we were preparing for 
I was going over the the notes again to see what we had. Uh, Shudan starts doing Tai Chi. I mean, Che Shan. Of course. Completely different. It's very different. Unprompted, not helping anyone else, just off to the side. I'm going to do this now. (laughs) I mean, you say that, but also, like, this is absolutely a thing that people would do. Especially Shudan with this kind of, like, this back and forth that we've seen of, you know, oh, I'm the hot popular one. And all all the attention, like, I wish I could just get away from it, but also not doing anything to get away from the attention. Yeah, is... I think he's kind of full of shit when he says he doesn't like the attention because he's doing something like this. When you put it this way, this is ringing more and more true for me, who works regularly with dancers, who, when they're not on stage dancing, occasionally insist on being off stage dancing in my way when I'm trying to do my damn job. Oh my god. So, yeah, never mind. Not weird. Perfectly logical. <laughs> yeah, I, I was working backstage uh, for some kind of, like, musical act back when I worked at a, a theater, like a, a a music theater. And just backup dancers, they're practicing, like, no-handed cartwheels yep. in the hallway. And I was like, I need to... I need to pass you. <laughs> they got mad at me. I, I, people got stuff to do shooting. I have a large heavy thing and it needs to go over there. Yeah. <laughs> so dunking on shooting, showing things off aside. Um, <laughs> they take a second to do that in the book too. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he is, he is practicing a, a martial art of some sort. Uh, and uh, gets gets quite into it, and then uh, as he he comes back, yeah, he he's. I mean, Eondel says right here, you know, he complains about the way women chase him, but he can't resist the urge to to show off. <laughs> Fucking hell, you're you're sparring the new want to exercise. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and that's kind of just the end of that. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> uh yeah so from from here uh serene has uh has had her her practice for i guess the week or so and it's it's time to head out uh to the market we have serene and ash here ash says i'm sorry i missed the practice i was busy doing nothing <laughs> right we, we've established that ash has been uh less than useful I love Ash. I want to clarify, but it is true. He has not contributed very much to the story at all so far. <laughs> so the specific purpose of uh, Serene's errand here uh, is uh, she she looks through the, the, the markets, but it's not really the focus right now. Uh, she is headed to the Karathi Chapel, and uh, she, she's there to, uh, to talk to the priests there. Uh, Father Omen, uh, who I like because he occasionally gets distracted mid-thought and just, like, zones out. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty My great. freshman year roommate would do something like that where she would just forget to speak out loud. <laughs> Sorry. Or occasionally she would just be looking at me and I would just be like, girl, you're in your head again. Say it, <laughs> say it with your mouth. And she'd be like, oh. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I miss her. Same. I think she's doing well. 
I think so, based on, on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, it's not all Omen's fault. It's really not. Uh, what is it? <laughs> that was said so, like, <laughs> so, like you're about to tell a tragedy. <laughs> so, like, uh, but uh, you, since your husband died, you're expected to show your grief openly. Otherwise, people won't think you loved him. But I did love him. And then, but wasn't it a pagan ritual? And then they get off topic and they just fucking stay off topic for like five pages. Serene. <laughs> and then she yells at him for going off topic. You did it. <laughs> it was you. I will concede that Serene does lead them off topic. But at one point, Omen does just stop talking. <laughs> like mid thought. So might be a little column A, a little column B here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Serene has has decided to get an answer to this question that was just lingering was what is a widow's trial and what do I have to do? <laughs> and unfortunately it is not jumping Snake River Gorge. <laughs> no. It is it is not. Not quite as exciting. Uh I don't know if it is necessarily gendered. Like the term widow technically is gendered. Uh, but in this case, it's referred to for Serene personally, uh, because, uh, because Raoden has died, uh, Serene needs to do some sort of, like, very public showing of grief slash service. And, uh, and, and the, the more important and the, the more, like emotional and passionate the the bigger that it should be so still not a lot of specificity here uh but at least we know that it's not jumping a gorge <laughs> damn it <laughs> i mean we need to do something with that that chasm on the map. <laughs> you you can't put chasm and then not use it <laughs> and then not expect us to do bmx <laughs> tricks over it i mean i'm just uh, uh whenever we talk about religion i am just predisposed to think of like okay it's just get, there, there's no god or whatever um sorry <laughs> i'm not like a militant atheist but i'm kind of atheist like, it's okay if you believe in religion whatever um but I, i'm just expecting like it to end like like the ending of cabin in the woods where just a giant hand <laughs> comes out of the gorge <laughs> watch that movie yeah, that would uh, would be a, a twist. So yeah, we we do kind of completely tangent. Uh, it's it's one of their fault at least. <laughs> we get somehow the local priest is the only person in two hundred thirty pages to inform Serene that she is in fact rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that does happen. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the other. Uh, thing from this scene of like that does seem a little like I, I know that right when Serene arrived it was kind of pointed out that like things are moving very quickly and nothing is being explained to her but in a in a society that at, is so focused on the economy and and merchants and whatnot uh, who inherits Raiden's money 
probably would have been relevant at some point. <laughs> so, yeah, Serene may be out of cash in her pocket, uh, as it, it was noted earlier that she uh, made a contribution to the church when she arrived, and that was basically all that she had left with her. Uh, but yeah, there's the whole, you know, family fortune. <laughs> so that uh, good for Serene, I guess. After we wrap up uh, in the, the chapel, we rejoin Ash outside. I, I, I like the exchange here where uh, Ash is a, apparently... Uh, has has bad experience with with chapels as he was he was thrown out of one at one point, uh, possibly for some sort of tenuous connection to Elantris and and Aeondor, but not really explained. Uh, but I like the exchange of uh, you know Seons have very good ears. You don't have <laughs> ears. You're you're an orb. <laughs> that also reminds me of like in terms of being thrown out. I don't even know. I guess Ian flittered on Rayodin's hand, but like we don't have hard confirmation that these are even solid objects. Like, can you grab a Sion and throw it out the right. window? I don't even know. <laughs> or was it just, hey, leave? And yeah. because because they are fairly subservient that we've seen, aside from Snark, that that Ash yeah. just left. Uh, briefly about people getting thrown out one of my favorite quotes ever from one of my uh, one of my co-workers uh, we were at a, a game store with a, a group of people from my company there to play some games uh, he had brought in his backpack uh, an entire two liter of coke and fifth of jack daniels <laughs> to slowly drink over the course of the 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 afternoon uh, the quote was uh, yeah the lady over there wants to throw me out why? Because you're drunk? No, because I was drunk last time. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, he was a character. I once was going into a bar with a cooler in my hand, and everyone, like, the, the people at the front were like, absolutely not. Like, you can't bring an outside drink, girly. What are you doing? And I was like, no, I promise it's just strawberries. <laughs> we just came from the farmer's market. <laughs> I was allowed to keep the strawberries. Good, but they threw no, out I the cooler. Were... Wait, no, they were they were my roommate's sister's strawberries. Roommate, I know you're listening. Why was I carrying the strawberries? Ah, shit, the book. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh shit! It's time to establish stakes. <laughs> yeah, which again, I I am glad of. Yeah, oh, so glad. Oh my god, it's like Brandon listened to the last episode. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. We know you're a loyal listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Serene. Uh, we do have a bit of a connection here uh, where, uh, and, and also a, a contribution from Ash, where Ash is able to inform Serene uh, that, uh, that uh, Hraithen had been doing some, some meeting on the, the wall top the past evening or so. Uh, and that there's something going on with Hraithen and the, the Elantris guard. So, uh, as we've seen in the, the past little bit, Serene is now a little more aware of what uh, what the, the stakes are here. And so, Hraithen is doing a thing, and so that deserves thinking about. 
Which, I'm glad she knows the stakes, but she was already doing this. Of like, She considered <laughs> it a game, but her thing was, oh, that Gjorn's up to something? I don't know what it is, but I'm going to try to fuck it up. Time to do the opposite. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, before we... Uh, be- from here to just about the end of the chapter, we have a uh, a, a long sequence uh, where we get to check in with Serene's family. Because uh, way back in, I think, the very first Serene chapter, uh, she uh, called her dad with the uh, the Sion the phone. <laughs> and uh, that pretty much the entire discussion was... I arrived and my husband is dead and what what do we do and so a lot has has transpired since then so the the two of them need to check in for like political reasons uh and then also just because this is a a a good father-daughter relationship which i believe we pointed out is rare it's a first <laughs> so good so the only thing that might sully the whole evan teo being the best dad in the whole fucking Cosmere so far um, is the keen hanging thread which I guess will resolve yeah, eventually. No, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we will get to it, but there's a weird thing of Serene going, alright, I need to get more information out of him, so to do so, I will change the topic to talk about Keen. And then he goes, let's not talk about Keen. And Serene goes, alright, let's move, to- let's talk about something else then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Missed on that one. <laughs> yep. Not, not quite resolution there. So yeah, the uh, starting with the the political topics that they cover, uh, there is also a a Fjordal, uh, ambassador in Tiod. Or there was. Uh, well, there was. Yeah, <laughs> he he has left. We do uh, get his name though. <laughs> we do get his name, Ashgres. <laughs> Ashgres. And stop. <laughs> yeah, apparently he uh, made a. Uh, a, a very public departure from Tiad. And I feel like I've I've seen this in other places before where there's there's someone or something nearby that is like kind of causing problems or or being an item of concern and then they leave and you go, hang on, what does that mean? That might be worse. <laughs> so yeah, he he has left Tiad, and it uh, it it may not be good in that case. Just if you've ever had like a, a an authority figure or someone you look up to tell you that you're that they're scared, it is a terrifying mm. thing to hear from somebody mm-hmm. that, that you look up to. Well, it's a. a I was thinking about whether or not to bring it up, and now you now you've said that, Sam, and it's doubling up. Um, uh, I was slightly, there's no way this is what you were thinking of, Justin, but it reminds me of, uh, in the minds of Moria when they're all being swarmed by orcs and then all of a sudden the orcs go, oh, we hear something. We are all going to run away now. That's terrifying thing. Number one and terrifying thing. Number two is of all characters, Gandalf saying, we can't fight this thing. We have to get the fuck out of here. That is also terrifying. And it's why I think that is like. One of the most, uh, what do you call it, like, pit in my stomach, like, feeling of dread I've ever seen in a movie is the introduction of the Balrog. 
Yeah. And, and additionally, uh, this, like Sam, you mentioned this is true from, from many sorts of authority figure, I think, but your parent in particular, mm-hmm. and Serene's 25, like this is probably not the, uh, the very first time this has happened, but there is that moment. A hag. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, just so old. Uh, but, but there's that moment of your parent is a person who is dealing with things and not the person who can magically fix everything for you is, uh, is quite a perspective shift. Yeah, I, I can't specifically think of when a time when my parents said they were afraid, but seeing your parents cry for the first time is always a very big, like, realization of, oh, they they have to deal with things, the same things I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a certain, like, gasp of panic that our mom makes in very specific situations, and it's very rare. Like, at one point, we were in a minor car accident, and that's when I heard it, mm-hmm. but hearing that noise is just like insta flight fight or flight response like something's wrong mom did the gasp what is happening i know our our dad has a, a story about um uh i believe this was like right before i was born there was some sort of of medical emergency going on uh and he had a he he briefly thought like okay we're at the hospital now I need to make sure that the relevant adult is is taking care of things. Wait a minute, I'm the relevant adult. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, yeah, this I I like this whole scene. Like it it goes yeah. on for a, a decent bit, but Serene and and Evanteo, it's a good relationship, and it's good to see the two of them working on this, but also not like solving it all like this is a this is a thing that they are both concerned about and not sure what to do about uh evanteo is informed of the specifics of of what's going on here in arlan the fact that hraithan is there uh they both confirm that they they know what that implies and uh evanteo wants to wants to just get serene out he 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 says you know we we tried to make that political tie uh, when when rayodin died that mostly went away much as the the legal status might say otherwise but why don't we just cut our losses i'm gonna bring my daughter back home we'll try to figure things out here and what happens in arlon is is, is gonna happen yeah this is very serious stake establishment. I'm so glad for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Serene's reaction to that uh, that plan uh, is she's not going to go for it. One, because she does have now some connection to the these people here, uh, both politically and also you know personally. Now that she's lived here for a bit. Uh, but also, uh, it turns out that things back in Tiad weren't weren't perfect for her, and we get a, a whole uh, extensive section about how, uh, and and some of this kind of gets back to the like the the not like other girls thing, mm-hmm. uh, but 
some of the the personality traits that Serene had and is quite proud of in some circumstances uh, did not make her popular. And so to some extent, going across a, an entire sea and getting to start this this new life over here was good for her. And she doesn't want to just throw that away. I promise I'm not going to get back up on a whole soapbox again. However, <laughs> it seems somewhat ludicrous to me that her being a little bit too witty and a little bit too stubborn would consider the crown princess, they would render her un, like undesirable. Like at some point she's like, now that Tiorn has children, no husband of mine would end up on the throne, which is the only reason anyone in Tiad would consider marrying me. You'd still get to be part of the royal family. <laughs> like, is that not... Did that strike anyone else as weird? Beth, you are forgetting yeah. one last important detail, which is that Serene is horrifically tall, which is that's completely true. unattractive in a woman. In fact, Rayodin probably didn't notice that in the phone call, and that's the only reason he gave her a chance. I rescind everything I said. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you make a very decent point, and once more... I don't have a lot to add to it aside from you put it very well. This this feels very <laughs> weird and re unrealistic in how much her personality apparently makes her unmarriable. Um, it 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 feels very silly. I do think the the base element of Serene is in some way enjoying the 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 new opportunity. And that Evanteo was was blind to it because he loves his daughter so much and is ignoring some of the other the the ways that other people treat her. I think that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. I think the the specific way that it's presented for for the reasons that we've mentioned earlier doesn't land as well. But I think it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, there's something to like there, and I also think this isn't nearly as bad as the not like other girls scene because this time like Serene makes it very clear. Look, it's the men that are the problem. They're the ones that <laughs> that hate smart women. But yeah, I it's it, that's why it's not as bad. But yes, it still it still doesn't pass the smell test. This this scene still feels weird. Though it does give us the small detail of quote: Should I chase after rumors of lands beyond the impenetrable mountains north of Tiad? Which, if we go back to the map, where the Rose Barbarians are. <laughs> Sorry, if the Rose Barbarians? Of course. Are. Well, no one knows for sure. <laughs> they're rumors, but there may be husbands out there <laughs> just waiting. So, yeah, with with this uh, kind of awkward topic on the mind, uh, Serene attempts a topic change uh, and says, Hey, Uncle Gein's here. And uh, it, it successfully diverts the conversation in that Evanteo wants nothing to do with this. <laughs> Go back to the rest of the dialogue wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she, she tries again with uh, what other news do we have from, from the world? Uh, anything out of, of Fjordan? Do we know what Wern's plans are? And uh, there's not a lot of info there, but this is a topic that the two of them can actually work on and strategize on and not be awkward or uncomfortable for either of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, 
A lot of disappearing going on. Yeah, they don't have any news from their spies in Fjordan, which is also kind of telling that mm-hmm. their spies are vanishing. Yeah, no news in this case is probably bad news. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we do have another mention of uh, of Dakor, and a- again, this is from the wrong POV to get information on it. As uh, they they know about the uh, the place where the assassins are trained, they know about the place where the spies are trained, uh, and then Dakor is the one that's worse than that, but they don't know how or why. Yeah. Rathbor trains assassins, Fjeldor trains spies, Dakor trains something, and Hufflepuff takes the rest. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the Dakor monks are particularly good finders. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the unfortunate reality here in, in Eventeo's mind is if Wern actually turns the whole might of the Empire against Teod, there's not much that he thinks he could do about it. And he's at least considering the, I guess, the practical option of surrender and convert and try to save the people. Which, there's a, a very passionate response from from Serene... And this is this is probably a, a whole line of thought that Eventeo has had to go down himself already. And uh yeah, it's you know, it's it's nice to to have that that principled position, but Serene's not there and isn't the ruler, and so maybe maybe Eventeo's gonna have to to uh, to give in. And hope it doesn't come to that, but what can you do? Yeah, I feel like that's a reasonable position to take, really. It feels reasonable. And two pages ago, Serene said her father was the strongest man she knew. And here she hears that and goes, oh, well, then you'd be spineless if you did that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens in Tiad. Uh, Serene decides that she's going to stay here in Arlon. Uh, another kind of last minute addition to this conversation right before they uh, they they sign off I was going <laughs> to say sign off that feels like the wrong phrase but eh, it works right before they wrap up uh, Iodon's merchant fleets are being targeted and sunk uh, and it's th- there's no uh, official word on it apparently it uh, th- the the rumor is pirate fleets uh, but the more the more in the no rumor if you have the sources that that Eventeo does uh, is that it's apparently the the Fjordal Navy is going after Iodon's ships and Serene realizes one she makes a connection to a moment that she saw at at the party a little bit ago but because of this whole um, monetary-based uh, government structure here, if Aidan's fortune falls, he has no more claim to the throne. So with, with his shipping being targeted, 
uh, Serene says that this seems like a, a direct attack on his sovereignty, basically. I'm obsessed with how they segue into this conversation. It's like, obviously, Evanteo doesn't know the stakes, but it's just like, oh, by the way, here's Fjordan's plot to undermine the, the, right. the throne of Arlon. Yeah, I I appreciate that she does piece together specifically, oh, it's probably Tellry. Um, he's probably going to be the one that they're going to put on the throne after Eodon. But it's yet another instance of Serene doesn't really do anything she just has information be told to her offhand and <laughs> oh, i don't know i just want her to be smarter <laughs> oh by the way a bear is currently eating your leg <laughs> what <laughs> let me get my sire or jadaver this is, <laughs> this is very big stuff you could exit pursued by a bear <laughs> oh. it's true although doesn't that mean you die shortly thereafter i think it does uh rip bummer hmm <laughs> rough break <laughs> so yeah now they 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 wrap up their discussion here uh serene says that if if Wern is targeting Idon's fortune and therefore his his claim to the throne she is going to compete against that even if she doesn't like the man personally uh, as as Evanteo puts it uh Hraithen has chosen our allies for us yeah. So the uh, the two of them uh, end this discussion with at least some information exchanged, but uh, not looking great going forward. We do end on a nice little maxim from Aventeo of truth can never be defeated, even if people do forget about it occasionally, which felt very proto-Sazed to me. I, I like that mm. line because it reminded me of Sazed. I'd say it's more like an adage. That's fair. I was trying to think of a better word than maxim, and then it was my time to speak, and so I said it. No, that's a, that's Maybe it's an aphorism. That's a wordly there... wise joke. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> because uh, back in middle school, we learned uh, it, it was like yeah, that's right. We're back to middle school. Uh, <laughs> other we can other, never escape. Other like levels of English, we're learning like roots and stuff, but we were just learning like straight up just vocab words. And we learned both adage and maxim, uh, like within a couple weeks of each other, even though they're pretty much the same word in terms of meaning. I, I have to imagine at one point we were like, what is the definition of adage? It's a maxim. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we should, um, I, I know I, I kind of went over it as fast as we did in the or as fast as Serena and, and Evanteo did in this conversation but we mentioned it earlier and so I do want to point out again I'm sure we'll talk about it later uh interesting to see the the very negative reaction from Evanteo of of Keen being involved because yeah I don't know what his Keen's deal is side, <laughs> yeah well, we've seen from Keen's side and he's he's like casual but guarded about it of you know well, you know, my relationship with Evanteo isn't great anymore. We don't really speak. But Evanteo is, you know, do not talk about him to me. So, yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, do you think Evanteo might actually elaborate if Serene were to say, 
yeah, I hang out with his entire family. He is like my main ally currently because I feel like yeah, he's the best bud. might explain why that may or may not be a problem if that if that information is given. But alas, do not speak. She'll just name. have to go ask Father Omen again because he seems to be the only one <laughs> who tells her. Who explains <laughs> oh, yeah, you didn't hear that uh, uh, Uncle Keen murdered your mother. Yeah, it's it's strange that you never heard about this. <laughs> Because, yeah, for the record, this is the second time that Aventeo offhandedly mentions Serene's mother and Serene goes, yeah, yeah, enough about mom. We're going to keep talking about something else now, which still feels really weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unusual, at least. Uh, but, yeah, we, we have had, we've had that conversation wrap up. I did want to touch on the, the reaction to, to Keen again. Uh, but at the close of the chapter, we have a uh, a little bit for Serene to kind of uh, reflect on the the position that she's in here. Uh, she has she's come to be on the the Arlene side, whether she likes the exact people involved or not. Uh, she still very much likes and supports Tiad even though there were some bad memories there and and she was glad to leave uh she is again an old maid by 25 <laughs> a very uh, tall gangly argumentative old maid yeah very cool even worse and then there's a suspicious noise and then the chapter ends anyways <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely what Serene, who picks a fight with everything in the world for fun, would do. <laughs> Very consistent. She goes over to the uh, the noise and throws a sword over to it and says, Alright, defend yourself. <laughs> Seriously. Uh... It wasn't coming from her room, it was coming from the wall beside her room. Therefore, I can go back to sleep. Must have been the wind. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, with Serene not investigating our suspicious noise, we are going to go to Hraithen for uh, the third and final chapter of our, our section this week. Uh, and I think this is the Hraithen chapter where the most is happening right away. <laughs> because within the first couple of sentences... It turns out that Hraithan has already succeeded in his plan of having an escaping Elantrian delivered to him. Uh, and as Sam puts it, uh, they are just fucking with him. Pretty much. <laughs> just fuckery here. Yeah, there's a weird... It's not until a little later in the chapter, but there's a very weird moment where they're like... They've been talking about and to the Elantrian for like two pages, and then Hraithan just goes... I better think about what information I want to learn from this guy. It's like, what, how did you not? <laughs> was, did they catch it like 10 minutes after you asked? What do you mean you, you don't know what you want to get out of him? <laughs> I brought him here to fuck with Dilov. A lot of fucking with going on here. I do appreciate that Rathen is petty enough. Yeah. To, <laughs> to just jump scare Dilov with this Elantrian. Gets sassy too, because he's like, it's an Elantrian. Mm -hmm. Raven's like, very good. And no, you don't get to set <laughs> yeah. fire to him. <laughs> That's my job. Say hello. <laughs> I also do like the uh the the cultural and linguistic note right at the beginning where when Dilaf does get jump scared, uh he swears in Fjordel. 
and Hraithan goes through a kind of like, like it's kind of impressive that he's cursing <laughs> in Fjordel despite not being from there. But also, you know, that's a religious oath, and don't do that. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is an Elantrian here. It takes them a little bit to learn his name, uh, but his name is Diren. Actually, and it seems like Krathen he... has done some questioning because he does actually get Diren pretty much right away. Mm-hmm. I actually, I love that even more that he's just like. Hey, Dilaf, this is Deeran. <laughs> Shake hands, you be nice. You guys should meet. <laughs> yup. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of a, uh, a an open investigation for a bit here. Uh, and we've we've seen more Elantrians than Prathen has. And it seems like Deeran is kind of middle of the road, I would say. In that he's he's not so injured that he's lost his mind, uh, but he also doesn't really have that, that focus that uh, Rayodin's group does. And so he's kind of just drifting there. Uh, basically the first thing that he, he says, or the, maybe the second thing he says is, do you have any food? Cause that's still kind of all consuming, but uh, yeah, they're just gonna, just gonna ask some questions for a bit. Uh, Sam has uh, ha- <laughs> Sam has has done some proper study here and transcribed the interview so that we can reference it late or later. Who were you, peasant? How long Elantrian? Seven or eight months. What's it like in Elantris? Oh gee, I fucking wonder. <laughs> Gosh, it's bad. If only, if only everybody talked about how shitty it is all the time. It's terrible. Although there is, like, the gangs. Uh, most people wouldn't know about the gangs. Ash doesn't know about the gangs, because Ash didn't really bother to actually check. Uh, right, because Ash <laughs> did no surveillance at all. But yeah, and, and this is... Uh, we, we've seen this in some other aspects of Hraithan's methodology. Uh, he is... He's interested in this from an academic sense. He's obviously... The, the angle overall is how do I use this information to to orchestrate the the conversion and or downfall of of Arlan? But he he's like he's going through these questions. He hears about the gangs. He gives that a, a think on what that implies. So yeah, there's a sort of scholarship going on here. Though with one large failing in my opinion, uh, quote, he claimed that he was dead. Whatever that meant. <laughs> you didn't think to interrogate that any further. Yeah, that does seem uh, like a, a notable, notable uh, thing to, to drill deep on. Yeah, it's not important. <laughs> yeah, and apparently the the conclusion that Hraithan draws, Elantris was a brutal place, but disappointingly human in its methods of brutality. I suppose our position inside of Elantris is somewhat biased, but that does seem like a pretty surface level thing to discover. Hey, it's, it's again, it's more than Ash found out. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. So with, uh, with that all wrapped up and definitely not going to come back later this very chapter, it is time for the, uh, the guard captain to come 
take care of Diren. He's he's got big gloves on and he's got like a poking stick <laughs> to just maneuver this lantern around. Move. <laughs> and uh, it's it's time for another speech or another pair of speeches, as it turns out, which. In this case, the, um, the the pair of speeches is uh, is planned for. So, uh, Diloff in this case is going to speak first, uh, as the, the two of them kind of confer on how they are going to to push this association between the fallen Elantrians and the the religion of Shukorath. So Diloff is going to speak first. Uh, is going to uh, to work on the the passionate angle of of getting the people in the the right emotional state, and then Hraithan will speak and will give them a a uh, a path, a logical uh, thing to do about these feelings that they now have. So, which seems like it, at least in theory, should work better than the uh the spontaneous um uh speech that uh that Diloff threw in the first time that we saw that as long as we keep him pointed in the right direction everything's gonna be fine just fine very focused yeah there's also a very like minor moment but will probably end up being very important later where Diloff goes oh i hope the strategy works we don't have a lot of time and Rathan goes how does he know that uh he's probably just guessing like, <laughs> no, speaking of things you should be questioning more, Wraith, and maybe you should look into that. Yeah, I think that might be, at least in this chapter, that's probably Hraithan's biggest, uh, biggest failing, is a couple of places where he just needs to go one or two questions deeper. <laughs> Wait a second. But uh, we go from there to the sermon. Uh, we we lead with, with Diloff, and we we watch this from Hraithan's point of view, watching both Diloff and the crowd. And uh, he says he has he has to some extent learned to ignore his envy and replace it with pride. Where Diloff's speeches are still very successful, he is he is capturing the uh, the emotional needs of these people and he's really driving them to to a place where he wants them to go and Hraithan is not doing it himself and from what we've seen has never really gotten crowds to this kind of a state uh, but at this point Hraithan is at least still doing a bit more uh directing of of Diloff and so he can he can take his pride kind of transitively through there he's drinking a whole lot of copium there i think given that it uh then immediately goes off the rails <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm very <laughs> proud of diloff doing it wait what the hell what is it what diloff turns this into a scene from king kong yeah he he's got a whole sideshow going here doesn't he yeah <laughs> Behold the Srakis, Hrathen. The what? The what? <laughs> the one that we just got rid of? <laughs> and also, apparently there wasn't even, like, 
this is Wraithen failing a spot check as well, because apparently it wasn't even, like, covered up. It's just, they light no, the torches, the and he was just over there already. <laughs> I mean, I I have seen people miss things simply because they were not illuminated, but a whole entire person <laughs> does seem to be a thing you should have noticed. Uh, because, yeah, Diloff has... Uh, as before, has taken this one notch further than Raythan wanted or expected. Uh, has has brought Diren back. Has apparently wounded him further. Uh, and and is uh, is calling for is is calling for the crowd to kill him. And uh, Raythan, having. Having missed getting to this point, there there was definitely a miss there. Uh, is able to make the correct read from this point at least of if Diloff does this and if the crowd does take action here, everything will be completely out of control. We probably have a riot start tonight, and everything gets ruined from there. So this cannot happen. Yeah. And I appreciate him reading that, and I also appreciate this is like the third time he's been giving a speech, and then someone has come in and fucked it all up. Um, I do think it was very clever of him. His redirect is, well, it's asking for death, and if we hate Elantrians so much, we shouldn't give them what they want, right? Um, I, I think he does do a very good job of calming the crowd back down to avoid the disaster that he's worried about here. I, we we finally get Hraithan giving a good speech, and I'm like, yes, this character <laughs> is smart and capable. Yeah, there's one specific detail I really like, where when he's first intervening, he, like, grabs a torch from someone else and, like, gets the crowd to sort of chant in rhythm just by, like, holding the torch up and down so that it gives him moments of silence to interject in. Because we, we've... It, it's We've talked before how we've gotten a lot of telling, not showing, of, like... Raythan has studied oratory and he uses all the correct moves as he gives his speech. But I like this as a clever little trick of here's how I am going to control the crowd so that I can get them back down to, you know, not uh, a not murderous level. Right. Yeah. There's also uh, the, the other kind of delicate balance that he has to pull off here uh, is he can't publicly disagree with Diloff because they are they're trying to present a, a public front of they're trying to get a very specific goal accomplished and any infighting at all will have a, a significant negative impact on that so even though he is re-hijacking mm -hmm. this this operation here he can't like directly contradict anything that that Diloff has just done aside from the the one key detail of no not right now so it's yeah it's it's a a close balance he has to get there so he doesn't get to uh quite give the the full uh sermon that he was planning where he can he can present his his case uh but he gets some of it he does get to strengthen that that kind of redirection that he and Diloff are trying to set up where uh, 
the 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 people of Arlon are still clearly distrustful or even hateful towards the Elantrians. Uh, and then his next link is that uh, Shukorath and the Karathi church are sustaining Elantris. They're the ones who are managing that whole that whole process. And so why why are they why are they indulging in this? Why are they making this this risky move and so think about what what shukoreth is doing for you uh and and be concerned about that so he he does manage to make that that link yeah i just was vibing to this whole speech basically in my notes him trying to take this and twist it into what it is <laughs> what it becomes which is not a riot the avoidance of yeah. a riot. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we've joked about Brandon avoiding writing any of the so-called uh, successful speeches. <laughs> but but we do see one here. I, I think this is this is good this is good oratory in a, a, a difficult circumstance. So we do then have the the kind of debrief uh, between Craythan and Diloff. Uh, but we also have uh Deeran gets his wish i guess he he was was shouting uh for for them to destroy him and 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 end the pain and this is this is some there's an element of ritual here uh because the the way that it's done is uh by burning and uh Krathen is is the one to do it they they do they they burn Diran, and it it seems to work. He is actually destroyed. Is this the first like kill in the book? I think it is. Yeah, because we saw the young kid get bashed back when uh, <laughs> right. Raritan... in Elantris. But he wasn't dead. But we've was we've just, yeah. right we've established that that was like the horrifying part was that that wasn't someone dying. I I don't think we've seen any outside of Elantris either. Right. So we can so, scratch yeah, one that's... name off the cast list, Sam. Yeah. Yay! Introduced and departed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I appreciate that uh, even though it is... I don't know what the, the, the kind of doctrine of Shudareth is about, uh, about Elantrian specifically... Uh, but Diloph has a, b both Diloph and Hraithen, uh have kind of relevant, relevant scripture that is on their mind. And I think that's a, a cool moment. I was very confused a little bit later, very <laughs> shortly later in the chapter, Hraithen remembers Dakor. And I wrote my notes, what is Dakor? And I forgot that we just talked about yeah, it. It's, it's yeah, the... we've... <laughs> We've talked about it, but not learned anything about it. Yeah. Right. Still not. It's the Slytherin house. <laughs> the Slytherin must be. But yeah, we, we have a debrief here with uh, with Diloph and Hraithen, uh, where now that they are uh, away from the public, Hraithen can directly reprimand him and, and, and say, you almost lost control. You almost had a riot on your hands, which may very well be what... Diloph was looking for. Uh, 
and it's it gets very tense here where where Diloff says you know it it almost seems like you're you're trying to avoid this we have our responsibilities we need to we need to push for this and and Freythan has to to say that there is a there is a structure here both a, a hierarchy of the people in which I am in charge uh, and also we need to do this carefully we do not want a riot that leaves the people of Aralon dead so a very tense moment and one that uh, that Hraithan says in some way might have been his own fault in that he did start this plan with Diloph gives a passionate speech mm-hmm. so still need to be very careful there you just, you just need to keep him focused. This guy pointed in the right direction. It's going well. <laughs> I mean, there's at least... He does at least think, I will have to do something about the Arta. Yes. <laughs> which, which is true. I agree. So, yeah. And then a uh, a suspicious uh, memory of Dakor. Pain, sacrifice, and death. And... Prathen is not going to dwell on that. Anyway. Our final scene of this chapter uh, and of our our episode, uh, it's time for Prathen to break out the burner phone again. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not how a burner phone works, by the way. No. You should not be breaking out a burner phone again. (laughs) Right. But he is using it on brand in that he is calling a drug dealer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's true. It's literally true. I I love this this scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have Fortin, uh, who we learn is uh, both a a drug producer and consumer. Uh, and Fortin's just kind of in his own little world, and Freythan is willing to play along with it because apparently this guy is quite talented. Uh, but it's. I, I just think it's funny how Fortin is just, at some point, just kind of making things up, and Hraithan just has to go with it. And the back-to-back lines of, Fortin had a chronic cough, a condition caused by the various substances the man was fond of smoking. Two sentences later, Fortin was a man utterly contented with his life, a condition that was also caused by the various <laughs> substances he was fond of smoking. But, uh, yeah, he is uh, a, a very skilled... Uh, I guess chemist. I mean, what he is is the potion seller. I guess I should <laughs> God say. God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> yeah, you said on the Twitter and Mastodon again. <laughs> it has now been zero days since somebody last mentioned the potion seller video. That sign doesn't get above like two. I know. <laughs> you can't handle my potions, traveler. They're too strong for you. But uh, yeah, Hraithan has a a request to make. Uh, we we do not see the details exactly, but we know that Fortin thinks that he can he can do it by combining a couple of other effects. Uh, we uh, know we we have some some backstory and connection here. Uh, apparently, at one point, Hraithan had uh, been poisoned by some particularly nasty substance. Uh, that was thought to be incurable, and Fortin managed to come up with an antidote. So, uh, definitely knows what he's doing, 
and uh, apparently can fulfill this this strange request. What Hrathen doesn't know is that Fortin has actually been just getting Hrathen addicted to stuff so that <laughs> he can give him the, the, the little dosage he needs to keep him in line. Um, this will end up not mattering at all because Hrathen will have Fortin killed shortly thereafter. <laughs> oh shit, that means that we're like two chapters away from Hrathen getting bisected by a sword from a jumping girl. <laughs> It's still Vin. She, <laughs> <laughs> oh. she world hops into Cell uh, just to chop Fortin in half and then leaves. Honestly, it would be would be I'd be excited. Me too. Uh, especially yeah. considering this book was made before Mistborn, so like, who is this? What what's going on? Right, you'd have no book? context. <laughs> well, we will see. I. Uh... I hate to spoil it. I will put low odds on this, <laughs> but I won't rule it out. I would read that book. I'm trying to think of what, like, the most, like, sudden, unexpected, and not very well explained world hopper is. And I think I have a candidate, and it's not... Well, no, actually, it's pretty far off. <laughs> oh, well. We'll get there. It's not in this book. It's ham. <laughs> It's always ham. <laughs> oh, you figured it out. Damn. Yes. So yeah, this uh, this deal here wraps up. Uh, the The potion is needed immediately, uh, though immediately is uh, maybe two weeks. And uh, yeah, we'll see what that is and what use it has. I have another thought there, which I know Fortin is apparently very good at his job and that Hraithan trusts him a lot. Hraithan is working on a very strict deadline. And from what we can tell, and this might not be true, but from what we see, Hraithan doesn't consult a single chemist in K to see if they could get this done. On his very, very strict deadline, he has chosen the guy who takes two weeks to ship something just to get this one little potion. And Fortin even points it out of like, Dude, you're on the opposite side of the world. Yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> you're literally as far as you could possibly be from me. So, yeah, it, it it must be quite the the substance that he that he needs. So yeah, we'll we'll have to see what the consequences of that is. Uh, but that is uh, that's the end of the conversation here and the chapter with Crathen uh, noting that. Uh, He's a drug addict, a heretic, and a hypocrite, uh, but he is still an invaluable resource. Uh, after all, Jadith had created all men, even the heretics. Which is the second time I think we've ended an episode with Hraithan going, um, Jadith's probably fine with this. Probably. <laughs> is the other one, the, the one that he thinks about just before, of using a Sion? Uh, yes, the burner phone to call the Pope, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. What a, what a great sentence. But yeah, that, uh, that does it for our chapters. Uh, that was our, our final episode that will only be three chapters. So from here on out, we will get uh, more chapter count, more symbols to see. Uh, and pretty soon the end of part one into our other two parts. All right. So I I am dying to know. Uh, we had 
a few more names, though a couple of them we didn't see. So would not be... We, we didn't see or hear a couple of the names, so probably wouldn't be cast. Uh, Sam, are we far enough under 24 people <laughs> that uh, that we have additions to to your side of the cast list? Yeah, I do actually have some people this time. Hey, okay, nice. there so, we go. All right, yay. So yeah, we'll we'll check in on this and and then see where we go from there. I have a new Hraithan. Um Okay. Originally, I said Wayne Pygram, but I don't know. He's a little old, so uh, slightly less old. Still, still kind of old. Um, I'm gonna go with Tony Goldwyn. Uh, who played middle guy on the gray board in Oppenheimer and also uh, was in Scandal or something. Okay, but... yeah, I saw this guy and I was like, I in Oppenheimer, I was like, I, I know this guy from somewhere. And everyone was like, oh, you probably know him because he's on Scandal. I've never seen an episode of Scandal in my life. I have no idea why I recognize this man. <laughs> yeah, but I now recognize him from Oppenheimer. I, uh, I, um, I'm glad that I went to the theater with friends for it. I mean, you know, I... I don't see movies alone. Um, God bless the people who are confident enough to do that, but I don't. Uh, so I, I went with uh, with some friends, and I was like, who, what was the name of the middle guy on the gray board? And my friend immediately <laughs> knew who I was talking about, thankfully. So, Tony Goldwyn. There you go. Uh, I definitely know where you recognize him from. It was from Voicing Tarzan. <gasps> yes, that's of course why I recognize his face. <laughs> That's, that's yeah, no, I looked through his entire filmography. I'm like, I have not seen any of these except Oppenheimer. I don't know why I know this guy. And Tarzan, technically, but, you know. <laughs> uh, so, Dasha, I've got Bob Cicerillo, who uh, was from a movie called Demons at the Door. Uh, let me... Let me copy-paste his name so you can search him up. Bam. Dear listener, you, just, I, uh-huh. I'm just yeah. watching Justin desperately try, type into the search bar, waiting for it to autocomplete. Google autocomplete gets me a lot of these spellings here. <laughs> but um, he's just like a buff guy from Demons at the Door, who's like super buff. Demons at the Door, a great movie, fantastic movie, not not the shittiest movie ever. Um, but yeah, I, I just immediately thought of him because he's got like a nice face. But he's also like really buff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, okay, there you go. Uh, Saolin, I have a Saolin. Hey, uh, I'm also going with a wrestler. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to fight about it, but I feel like uh, uh, Caleb might be naming wrestlers based on not their heel face status. <laughs> I, I, Randy Orton looks like a mean guy. He looks mean. That's a fair assessment. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, Saolin, uh speaking of mean guys, this kind of undermines my point of Randy <laughs> Orton looking mean, uh, because I have I have Saolin as Buddy Matthews, um, who's a wrestler at AEW right now. Uh, fun to watch. House of Black. Um, let's see. Uh, for Anden Tan, Tanden, Tanden. Uh, I have Steven Root uh, from Dodgeball hey, and other, that's, other places. That's some overlap, because I have him as uh, Duke Tellery. Oh, yeah. 
uh, let's see, Iando, dipping into the wrestlers again. I got, uh, if you want his Christian name, his Christian name is Monty Sop, but he's he's better known as uh, Billy Gunn, or Mr. Ass, or lately Daddy Ass. Hey. Wrestling. <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs> hey, and you know what else is great? Uh, uh, for a while, his catchphrase was, scissor me, Daddy Ass. No. That's, no, that's no, camp. Isn't. Come on, that's camp. <laughs> no, you gotta give it up serious. for that. I have to. Uh, hang on. Let me see if Discord might even have a gift for it. I am yeah, associated enough with some people who are big wrestling fans that I have definitely been shown this. <laughs> yep. Scissor me, daddy. It's great. He looks oh. so happy when he says, yeah. I'm on board now. <laughs> He also possibly retired, so God bless. He, he was a well. Now he's wrestler. got the he's time. Available. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. He's free. Uh, shooting. I'm putting uh, Randall Park in there. I was wondering. I you you randomly texted Randall Park to the Discord. I was wondering when he'd come in. <laughs> I I was doing something. I was busy. I didn't have access to my Word doc, and I was like, I saw his name mentioned, and I was like. Yeah, maybe. So he's a he's a maybe, maybe. I don't know. Um, Omen. I've got Ronnie Graham, who is the priest from Spaceballs. <laughs> I just pictured. Uh, let me see. And then Fortin. Um, just because he's described as mouse-like, I don't know why else. I I pictured him as Matt Duran, who was Mouse from The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> and once again we're picturing these guys at their prime not of course I'm sure he's like in his 50s or 60s now because the matrix was a long time ago too long i i there's a very weird um anecdote about mouse from the matrix which is that there's just a comedy skit i unfortunately don't know the name uh maybe we can look it up and put it in the description because i don't even know how to look for it unless i type in this anecdote um but there was just a member of the uh the sketch group who was just obsessed with like one day in a video i want like that scene from the matrix where mouse runs in and says morpheus is fighting neo and then everyone runs out of the room and i want it to be the actor who played mouse reprising his role just doing that one line and it's completely unrelated to the rest of the video he just runs in and says that and then everyone runs out of the room and then they did that. That actually happened. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I just I love how I found I found the gif by typing in Morpheus is fighting Neo. <laughs> and there it is. Shout out to the one person who leaps over the table to come yeah. see this fight. Yeah. Everyone's excited. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, just three new ones for this chapter. Is that the uh that's the end of the list there? Uh, there were, well, I mean, a lot of these people I had not cast at all before. Right. So Yeah, no, we've got three new ones and then some backfills as well. Yeah, mostly backfills. So yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Caleb. Um, Auntie Donna, I believe, is the, uh, the sketch group that I'm thinking about. Uh, and yeah, they have a couple funny skits. Give them a, give them a shot. Anyways, in terms of casting, um... Uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Um, as Dasha, 
I, I think he's French Canadian, so it's probably Melee, but for the sake of looking it up, it's Robert Maillet is basically how it's spelled. Um, I really only know him. He was the big brute guy in the Sherlock Holmes movie. Um, and he's a big, strong guy who looks kind of scary, so he's Dasha now. <laughs> um, I have a bad habit. Whenever Brandon gives me some characters but doesn't give me a lot to go on, I'll just cast them as from minor actors from something I've seen recently, whether it was good or bad. So I have two secret invasion actors in here. Um, <laughs> Horin is briefly mentioned as a tall, skinny guy who Rayodin talks to saying, hey, what's the deal? So since he got a physical description and dialogue, I had to cast him as somebody. So I cast him as Samuel Adewunmi, um, who is in Secret Invasion. Um, also, uh, as Diren, I decided let's pick someone who has been in a torture scene and has been tortured. And I was like, there was a good torture scene in Secret Invasion. Let's cast Ben Peel as Diren because he gets tortured by Olivia Coleman, and that's it's one of the best scenes in the show. Um, so I have that. Um, as Father Omen, I have Dominic Chianese, who played Uncle Junior in The Sopranos. I'm not going to lie, I was surprised to find out he was still alive, but he's still alive, so uh, he can be Father Omen. Um, and then lastly, as Fortin, um, let's just lean into the meme a little bit. I have Cheech Marin as Fortin. Yeah, sometime, sometimes the obvious choice works. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, yeah, definitely uh, dropped the, the pace <laughs> on adding new cast members here thank god yeah, yeah my my typing ability will will suffice for getting through this one <laughs> but uh moving now into our uh our, our interesting predictions uh i'm curious to see kind of a recurring theme uh at least for serene's chapter and i think a little bit overall was the, the a, a reinforcement of the stakes because we kind of have been drifting on like what what are we actually leading towards? So I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, this week's chapters have pushed us in any particular direction on what we think is, uh, is coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And it's actually happening now. There's not a fucking embroidery club. <laughs> <laughs> There still well, is an embroidery club. Is, They're right. just fighting with swords now. Yes, it's graduated to a fencing club. That's true. Um, all right, so I'll just jump into it then. Okay. There you go. Hit me. Uh, all right, so question number one. What the fuck is the potion? What's it going to be? I don't know. Harithan doesn't talk very much about it. Uh, I, I, I placed my stakes long ago. That Hraithan was going to try and become an Elantrian. And I feel like this is that. This is a potion of become Elantrian. Um, so he, he, there's not... A, the fact that he burns an Elantrian alive <laughs> in this section <laughs> maybe undermines his desire to be an Elantrian. But you know what? You guys, <laughs> you guys shook me off of the Lord Ruler being the, the guy... Um, in the same episode, by by your 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 uh, subtle clues, so I'm sticking with it. I don't care. Sam, I'm very sorry. 
you shook yourself off of that one. You, I did. I, I... It was my fault. <laughs> Listen, it was my fault. You guys didn't like dissuade me, but it was me being like, I took a bold stand. I don't know if I'm gonna stick with. It. I'm sticking with it. You know what? All right. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I'm. I'm only going to add that I hope that if you're correct, that the bottle arrives with a label that says "Potion of Become a Lantern." <laughs> Which is what Justin has written in the spreadsheet yes. to note this prediction. <laughs> Honestly, from Fortin, that feels on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Except Elantrian is misspelled. Oh, God. Um, I'm just reminded of Skyrim and naming my enchanted things and potions. <laughs> um, oh, I have names that I can't say because I was very mad at Alduin. Um, so there you go. Uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, so to what end, I don't really know. Uh, seems like Dilaf wouldn't be too pleased about it. Um, he asked for two doses, so I wonder if it'd be like, he tries to give it to Dilaf, and then, oh, whoops, shit, I drank it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like humble Dilaf, but, um, but either way, it's a, it's a potion to become a Lantrian, because I said so. I ain't being shook. All right. Duly noted. Um. And then I spent the rest of it rambling about my uh, senior thesis. So there we go. Uh, okay. All right. Let me let me just roll into it here. Uh, reading about all this about Shudareth and Shukorath stuff, uh, it set me to thinking about my senior fucking thesis. Of course, uh, we've talked about how in this book we've talked about how the tiny differences the tiny differences between religions is like modern Christianity. The decision to preach in local languages is like modern Catholicism. The schism between Korath and Dareth is like the Sunni-Shia split in Islam. And this chapter, this section, we talked about the church tolerating the syncretism shown by people like Fortin. But we haven't talked about the fact that the Pope sent a priest out to convert a country in three months or face invasion. Which is exactly what Intercayatero is all about. Big ups to Pope Alexander the Sixth who uh, crafted that little document and allowed the Spanish to uh, go and take over Mexico. So I uh, just, just real quick, big ups to the Pope for that? No, big downs. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, yeah. So Intercayatera, just in brief, uh, you can go to Mexico, what would we now call Mexico? Uh, you have to convert people. You can't just go to take it. That was what Intercayatera was all about. Of course, later it was disregarded because people want gold. Um, so, but yeah, uh, I'm going to truncate the deeper facts about this. If you're interested in a bibliography, feel free to email us. I will literally send you a copy of my 70-page thesis. Uh, <laughs> here's what happens next. According to the real history of the real world, the Franciscans, in this case, Hraithan and Dilaf, failed to convert the native population. Uh, Native populations resistant to the messaging because of a large enough population for because to a large population of them it's a bridge too far. Most of them care about religion, and Hraith and Dilaf can find a way to make the Durathi puzzle pieces fit in with the Karathi religion that they already have, but it's not really going to be enough. So Pope Wern says, "Go ahead and send some folks in." So you send in some folks. They meet with the locals at a dock, ask them in Fjordel, "What do you call this place?" And the locals reply, "Yucatan." Uh, soon enough Wern's invading force finds that the threat of violence isn't quite enough to convert the people you have to use actual violence so what do you do 
You do what they did in Cholula. Cholula. Delicious hot sauce. Terrible history. Uh, get, gather everyone. It's the worst roadside <laughs> sign ever. Perma <laughs> yeah. shave. Uh, let's see. So in Cholula, what they did, what the, those great Spanish did, gathered everybody in the city. They had a big public showing of denouncing and then executing nobles. And then they just, like, killed people and burned down the whole city. So, in terms of Cholula is, is izing this, uh, the, the parallel here would be to gather everyone in the walls of Elantris, slaughter a bunch of them, light the thing on fire, and have the remaining folks under the reign of new leadership align with your empire. Uh, so, in short, uh, I think we're going to see Cholula at least start. Um... I think Raithan's going to still become a spooky boy, which might tilt things. Uh, I think Raiden's going to figure out Aeons again, which will tilt things. And I think the city of Elantris is going to get its shit together under Raiden, which will tilt things. Um, and I also think Serene is well-meaning, but ultimately she's playing checkers, while Raithan and co. are playing chess. Still. Uh, she'll figure it out eventually, but she's a little behind. Um, let me see. Uh, Iodon is Iagon. <laughs> he's just, he's gone. It's over for Iodon. Sorry, bro. Um, but I'm nonetheless proud of Brandoman for establishing stakes in Serene's mind, killing someone in our zany children's book about a zombie outbreak, even if that per person was arguably already dead, having a fight scene, and, uh, yeah, a great job, Brandon. Whee! <laughs> with the uh the the we on the end uh that yes. did break out the stopwatch uh four and a half minutes oh all right <laughs> i was it was very and given that that was your entire i'm sure not your entire one a fair portion of your senior thesis well condensed <laughs> thank you that was about three pages of it <laughs> there's a lot that happened in mexico let me tell you it gets more fucked up but Cholula is a definitely a fucked up highlight of Mexico. So yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. With with that, uh, I think you've you've hit a a spread of uh, of predictions that we will have various timings to wait for, which is always good. Various iron shots, maybe one yes. one driver <laughs> or a wood. So, okay, yeah, uh, we'll definitely have to uh, revisit some of these. Uh, Caleb, I'm curious if we have overlap or if we're going to be going in different directions here. Uh, yeah, a little from column A, a little from column B. I have kind of a scattershot uh, thing of theories today, some of which are similar to Sam's and some of which are just in completely random other topics. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with the theory that you all keep laughing at, trying to convince me that there's no merit to it. I still think something weird is happening with Serene's mom, because the fact that she's only been mentioned twice and both times Serene has kind of brushed it off, it just feels very weird. My current theory is still that she's secretly dead, but even if that's not the case, there's something funky going on there. So either, and I've, I'm splitting my guess into two, either one, I'll be proven right by the end of the book, or theory two, Sarid's mother will like just never be expanded upon in this book. And then 
in the sequel that I know you guys haven't read yet either, you're going to read it and go, holy shit, Serene's mom was dead the whole time? And I'm going to be like, thank you for all of the podcast points. Um, anyways, uh, going into more theories that actually have a chance of being right. Uh, I'm curious if Rayodin kind of assembling a society is accidentally playing right into Shudareth's hands. I'm specifically not saying Hraithen for a reason I'll say in a bit. Um, but by creating an actual society of Lantris that everyone can point to and go, look, they're dangerous again, they're thinking, and they can organize, um, that in a way might be even scarier than, hey, there are a bunch of zombies who can't do anything. Um, so that might get the people scared of Elantris even more. Um, I also am curious, because again, I'm just looking at the front of this book, and we are almost positive who those two people are on the front of the book at this point. I'm curious if Hraithen, who really does seem like he wants to not let Aralon be destroyed, might actually pivot towards, hey, we should be on the Elantrian side after all. We need to get together. If we all convert to shoot Dareth, we might be able to find a way to get Jadath to spare them instead of cursing them. Um, because I think Serene is going to pick up steam. Her big thing, her widow's trial is all going to be focused on how we need to be treating Elantrians with respect and how they can actually be helped instead of treated as, as exiles. Um, and Hraithan might go, all right, if I can't beat her, join her. Um, and that's going to end up driving a wedge between him and Diloph, obviously. Um, and that's going to lead to what I think may be, even though I don't have a lot of specifics for it, the biggest theory of this chapter so far that I think we've kind of hinted at, and now I'm officially putting chips on it, um, is that I officially think we might have a Wraith Demption incoming. I think <laughs> by the end of the book, he might actually be a good guy. Because um, we got a lot of moments this chapter where he's really feeling bad about about Diren specifically. And we've also, this is the second chapter in a row where he's been like, man, I'm really messed up because of all that torture I went through at Dakor. Um, which, on one hand, we have Zane. Just because a character has a rough background does not mean we're ever meant to feel sympathy for them. But on the other hand, that is also a very good recipe for broody, dark character ends up finding redemption. It's a good, it's a good you know, Zuko arc. Um, uh, we have potential for a Zuko arc here. Um, so... Yeah, I think Grayson might t turn out to be an all right guy by the end of this. I don't have a ton of chips on that theory, but I'm officially putting some chips on that. Um, just because Diloph is being presented as such a dangerous character and Grayson keeps getting these moments of maybe he's not a fully evil person. Maybe he has some sympathy beneath all of that exterior. I'm feeling that. Um... We also have, Brandon's a little cheeky about it because Serene just hears it and then goes, eh, that's probably nothing. But what very clearly seems to be someone else using the secret passages in the castle. Um, I have no idea why at this point, although maybe I'll theorize. I think it is going to be Diloph because we have that moment of Serene going, oh, he's somewhat like there's the noises in the walls. And then the start of the next chapter on the same page is Diloph enters the office and he's looking very like distracted, like he's thinking about something else. And I feel like that could be Brandon trying to be like, ah, eh, because he was doing something else sketchy. Um, 
So if I had to guess, I think Diloph is going to try and kill Eodon, and maybe there's a slight chance he did it just now. I highly doubt that. Um, it might more just be Eodon he's is actually just dead by the time we get back to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it's more likely that Diloph is figuring out the secret passages and then his his plan for later on is to kill Eodon. Because I don't know why else he would be in the castle specifically. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my guess. I Most of my chips are just on it is Diloph and then I have a couple chips on the reason why. Um, okay. I did not have a ton of guesses for what the potion is. Um, but I do think the most interesting option would be if it is a... A potion of become a Lantrian. Um, so I'm going to piggyback on Sam's idea a little bit there. And then, yeah, he, he briefly mentioned this. Uh, I'm going to put several chips on. Um, I think uh, Hraithen's plan actually is to give it to Diloph because every Lantrian gets thrown to a Lantris and I don't have to deal with that pesky Arteth anymore uh, if that happens. Um, and then I could see Diloph discovering the plot and switching cups and so Hraithen accidentally drinks it instead or something like that. Um, and it is odd that he needs two doses, so maybe he's planning on poisoning Serene as well, because he realizes Serene is also a problem. And then, doobly-doo, that leads to the cover, because once the cups get switched, that means Serene and Hraithen get thrown into Elantris together. Um, so, could be, a, that's where that's going. Um, and then my last kind of fairly big guess is Rayuden is going to not be able to diplomatically deal with Sheor. He's going to actually have to fight him. Um, and I think because things keep moving super quickly in, in Rayodin sections, I think he's going to have basically unified the city by the end of part one. And also kind of piggybacking off of Sam here, I think the big reveal cliffhanger thing at the end of part one will be someone successfully using the Aeons. That's going to be where part one ends. Ben, that's what I got. Okay. I, I definitely think that this... Uh, this set of chapters did lead to some more uh, substantial theorizing uh, because this is the return of Justin and Beth podcast in the same room. <laughs> uh, we did not have a, a side channel of typing messages to each other. We simply made faces at each other. Classic. There, was, there was some shrugging, some thumbs ups, some, some raised eyebrows, all, all sorts of stuff. All of the genders. <laughs> Man, y'all are going to be so embarrassed when Serene's mom is dead in Elantris 2, I'm telling you. You know, just for your sake, I hope that, that, that's, that you've got that nailed. <laughs> All right, uh, that is going to bring us to the close of our episode here. Uh, the things that we need to do as we finish up, we need to look forward to, uh, to next episode. Uh, we're going to be returning to four chapters, like we started the book with. That's 19, 20, 21, and 22, which, yes, means we get two new symbols. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, which will be our episode six, and then episode seven will wrap up the part. So we are we're full speed ahead towards that. Once we get this episode out, and then also that uh, next mentioned episode six, you can find those episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can also email us uh, in this case, legitimately, if you'd like to see Sam's thesis <laughs> on Mexican colonialism, you can do that too. Contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. I will send it along. You can also email us about the book too. That's allowed. <laughs> oh, shit. The book. The book. The book. <laughs>
Uh, you can also find us on various and sundry social media sites. Uh, Twitter at always another pod, Instagram at always another pod, uh, and Mastodon at always another pod at kind.social. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, recently we had the message of me apologizing for leaving out the intro music, but also we have, we have jokes, we have polls, we have creative media endeavors, all, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Classic. I'm putting that on the resume. Creative, creative media, media endeavors. endeavors. <laughs> Special skills. <sighs> hey, speaking of creative media endeavors, Beth, I have to ask, for the out-of-context Twitter post for this episode, are you going to use the moment of silence from Master Disguise, or are you going to use the poster of Mariah Carey's glitter with 9-11 happening in the background? You know it's absolutely the latter. You know that is in my notes and in my brain and ready to be screenshot and sent out to the world. God, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> well, no. Recently, Japan Twitter got mad at us for making too many Oppenheimer jokes and was like, this is like if you guys made 9-11 jokes and everyone went, we do that. We make a ton of 9-11 jokes. It happens all the time. <laughs> All right. Somehow from here, I've got to try to bring this episode to a close, and it might just be abruptly. <laughs>